Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. think that we've looked at the standings in a little while let's look at the standings and not just because your twins have uh <clears throat> fallen out of the playoff uh spot 40 more games this is nut crunch time as they say yeah um you know whose nuts are crunched my red Sox. well come on the red Sox they're the only team with a negative run differential in the east right now um and that's been over. in the last mm-hmm. like month it's i know i know like, have I know fallen off. the bottom fell out. There is something about being passed by the Orioles that feels a little sad. Well, there's so many articles about like, are the Orioles real? I mean, they have some. It, they do have some players that it's just like, oh yeah. I mean, this could be a really good core. Yeah, exactly. Wait a second. There is not. There's basically not a single division where the run differential is disorganized. I'm looking at this. So run differential is Ooh. completely predictive now. East but completely predictive. Before. We said before that we had hit the point where it was. No, but this is like completely predictive, right? I mean, the only one that the only one that's reversed are the Royals and the Tigers, and like, who cares? Um, everything else is perfectly ordered by run differential. And that's that's by eight. Yeah, exactly. Are the Nationals ever going to be good again? I mean, they just sold their franchise player. They are <laughs> they are the worst team in baseball, hands down. No, don't pick up Nationals players. I guess the whole point of this is to say. I keep on seeing Nationals players and being like, no. Mm -hmm. And then Pittsburgh players, no. Mm -hmm. And then Cincinnati players, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, we're we're clearly at a point where where the team... And Cubs. Cubs players are the other ones where I keep on seeing. It's like, no. I don't don't want to invest anything in them. Fantasy-wise, we're clearly at a point where you should only... Where you should give major weight to the team that guys are on. Because some of these teams are just going to be punching bags, and the teams that are that are coasting to the playoffs, you're just going to rack up counting stats on these teams. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you, yeah. Oakland, Detroit, Kansas City, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati are—I I mean, they're, they're officially wastelands yeah. for the like the the guys that you see on the waiver wire this week who did really well over the last two weeks. Don't don't pick them up because it's going to fall apart. Then you have the ones on the cusp of the Miami. Mm-hmm. Colorado, Chicago, Arizona, Angels, Rangers, Red Sox. Like I don't know. Yeah, you know, do, do you pick them up? Like you've been seeing all Orioles players, and it's like I just don't know the right one to pick up. <laughs> no, I I completely agree with that. But you think? I mean, so so wait. You just said all of those teams. Where do you put like the? Where do you pick? Where would you put a twin and a guardian? Because I see a lot of guardians on the waiver wire. I. I don't know. I think you can be effective with the, the Guardians players. There's also, I mean, one of the other pieces is like those teams that I've mentioned as being garbage. Part of the reason they're garbage is because they're cycling through players, just giving them <laughs> yeah. a try. And yeah. they're just like, you just have, yeah. they're on the waiver wire because they have more guys who are just randomly playing mm-hmm. and accruing plate appearances or, or, or pitching appearances. Well, that's also. Whereas the, like, 
it's hard when you see like one of and and Baltimore is sort of like playing like that as well, which is but Minnesota, I mean it feels like there's mostly defined roles. So so you're okay, so you're advocating for find a team with defined roles <laughs> that we're you're going to feel better about a team with defined roles. Well, I guess that's it's always going to be true on the on the waiver wire pickups. Yeah, but isn't this sort of funny you see that like the Minnesota pitchers keep on coming up and the Cleveland batters keep on coming up. And the strengths of the two teams are the opposite. I know. Flipped. Dil- <laughs> Dylan Bundy is literally always available. <laughs> I don't know Chris how. Archer, always <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. I don't know how. You know, I feel like I pick him up and I cycle through him. I cycle through him myself because I'm like, ah, Dylan. Did I have a? I thought I had him on my roster. Yeah. <laughs> like, Dylan, how did this Dylan Bundy could be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, never mind. That was that was wrong. All right. I pick it up and then he's gone. Funny stuff. Fantasy check-ins here. Uh, we got the leaders here. Hitting side. Aaron Judge, Justin Verlander. We're just going to make this quick now at this point. TGFBI, yep. wrong direction for me, 362. Uh, tread water for you, 245? Hey, 245. I'm up above 250 feels pretty good. So continuing that direction. It's where you want to be. It's where you want to be. Yeah, I um, struggle, struggle to keep guys on the field. Um, got some, got a couple injuries happening uh, of late, you know, so... So I had I'm I'm seeing this as a temporary blip, but you know as we just said at the at the top here, three quarters of the way through the season, but you know still a quarter left to go. There's still some stuff that could happen, but uh, let's get into our main session here. We're going to talk stats 101, lesson two, introduction to inferential statistics, and with the the specific angle that we're going to go into is linear modeling. So you put some stuff together. So uh, go ahead and take it away. I I did put some stuff together. I plumb the depth of my knowledge went back to some of the some of the information that taught me back in the day and a lot of things wow forgot that i knew those <laughs> I, that is the fun part about going back to basics in anything right oh like, yeah and the, i did learn this and one of the things you laid out you laid out for me like your general overarching thought and then i like went back through and was like oh my word there is so much more that we have to talk about yes. here before we even get into yes. Before we get to linear modeling, which we will get to, don't worry. I, I promise that we'll, we'll get back to it. But we'll have to take a little bit of a step back first. So far, we've talked about how to describe, display, and interpret the distribution of a single variable. Our, um, what, what, I'm sorry, descriptive statistics yeah, sessions. Right. session. Well, it's cool and stuff. But what, what about the interaction of variables? Now we discuss the statistical relationships between variables. This starts with bivariate analysis not a term I, wow. I had said in a long time wow think about how the values describing one variable inform or are informed by the values of another variable this is where we get into y as a function of x go back to your high school math class a couple of examples i put a couple of in, of, of these in here stock values mm-hmm. you can you can figure that out you can put together y as a function of x uh river volume mm-hmm Human activity along a river, volume of water, is they're going to be related. Um, drug testing. Mm-hmm. When I say drug testing, I'm thinking about like pharmaceutical drug mm-hmm. testing. I see as, as soon as I say that out loud, <laughs> talking about like <laughs> testing the effectiveness of, of drugs, the, the amount of drug into a human being, how much can they accept, yep. et cetera. Um, run scored. Let's get back to fantasy here. Run scored at, runs as a function of plate appearances. Yep. Uh, any other go-to examples that you have? Well, I mean, honestly, I would correlate. I would uh, I would look at anything that's a, there. You know, fantasy baseball is pretty pretty straightforward, right? Obviously, we've got RBIs as a function of everything. Well, everything is a function of plate appearances, except for average. 
Although hits yeah. is, I mean, but yeah, but RBIs is a function of home runs is an interesting one. Yeah, but, right, exactly. You can describe some of that relationship, right? Exactly. So, so you can define relationships here. Uh, some are obviously more causal than others, which is where I assume we're going. We're going to go with this, but but this is this is the bread right. and butter. I mean, this is the bread and butter. And I think one class. I mean, the class that you touched on here with stock values is uh, time series, right? Because that's that's time you're series, immediately yes. looking at time series, and we. Honestly, could do a little bit more time series in our fantasy baseball world. Temporal analysis. Temporal analysis, yeah. but we talk we talk longitudinally all the time. Mm-hmm. But we can do, we can do more. We could. Everything is a function of time in some sort of sort exactly. of exactly. So, well, I was thinking yeah. stock values is like, uh, you know, oh. one example might be stock value as a function of of dividend. Yep. No, that's it would no, be that's, interesting. It's going to st- describe some of the relationships. That's a good one too. But yeah, so I think so then I also think that adding temporal correlations on here in any ways is probably super valuable. Stock price is a function of volume. No shortage of profits. No shortage of things that are correlated in the world. Okay, so we start our journey into inferential statistics by looking at linear modeling. Of course, we're putting that out there and then it's going to be a little while before we get there because <laughs> we're going to have to talk a few about a few things first um this is the series first real foray into algorithms for statistics linear modeling it's the like it is the bread and butter uh, but before we really dive in let's set the table by discussing bivariate analysis and correlation do you think of this bivariate analysis as soon as i started reading it, it was like ah of course this is this is ha- so f- foundational that i've forgotten it <laughs> uh yeah that, that's a that's a really good statement so foundational that i forgot it yeah exactly it's the kind of thing that you get it so ingrained in your head that you don't think about it anymore like why is a function of x like why do i need another why do i need a name for that i just know it i just know it yeah. i just see it on a yeah um so bivariate data comprise a set of observations each one of which is associated with a pair of values x right that's what we're mm-hmm. saying you have plate appearances x you have runs y you have rbis y exactly and then the whole idea of bivariate analysis is understanding the, the relationship between those so because we're, we're going to set the table for linear modeling <laughs> we have to get into we have to get into correlation covariance etc yeah i was trying to figure out how we didn't have to get to this but it goes right here we have to we, talk ha- about we have to we have right? to talk about it. so two variables are if two variables are related um, we mean that the values assumed by one of the variables provides at least some information about the values assumed by the other variable. Those could be casual influence mm-hmm. or both influenced by another variable. So like there, there we go with our, yep. the casual influence is runs as a function of plate appearance. To get more runs, you need to get up to the, be- to the plate and swing the fucking bat. Yep. Right? Yep. Duh. It's that's a casual influence. The more time some people, like I don't know, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. <laughs> that it's a casual influence. Why, why just kick the guy when he's down? <laughs> kick the guy when it's he's just been casual <laughs> influence. Right? But for other players it's it, it's a lot more. Like, I don't know, Mookie Betts, another center fielder that might right. be related in some sort of way. But then there's also that influence by another variable. So this is where the like RBIs as a function of home runs. Mm-hmm. They're both actually, the underlying distributions are actually informed far more mm-hmm. by plate appearances. Mm-hmm. But the two of them are influenced by, uh, uh, do have a related influence. That's right. 
or I guess runs and RBIs is actually is 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 like a better example of that because because RBIs does is directly related to home runs. Right. They're on some level they're degenerate in the sense that you could subtract the number of RBIs. No, oh, it's okay. Sorry, that was that was Excuse like, like advanced mean, pointing fingers here. <laughs> Which variables are degenerate? Sorry, we just went like way too way too deep. All right, keep going. <laughs> uh, but of course, you know we know in baseball how these relationships arise. But really, statistics is meant to describe and detect these relationships without speaking to what they are. So it's more of so we have to go back to um, Fisher's irises and see like the relationship between sepal length and petals. <laughs> the, the classic data set. Anyone who's been given a data set has probably touched this at some point. Right? Like, what the hell is a sepal? I don't remember. Yeah, you know. And you open any you open is. any data science textbook, it's going to be in there. It's going to be there. Yeah. I forgot it was Fisher's irises. Um, but, you know, in baseball, we kind of we have this understanding of the relationships. But a lot, of, a lot of times in data sets, you don't. And statistics really is to help describe those big data sets and figure out what those relationships are. Um, this gets into statistical dependence. Do you have any any big words? You're like, oh, my God, I have to describe these things in Stats 101. I've totally this exactly exactly what you said is coming to bite me right now it's like mm, i could describe it probably in terms but it's gonna sound super clunky compared to the textbook definition yeah statistical dependence when the probability of a variable Mm. taking a particular value (laughs) is influenced by the value assumed by another variable then the two variables are statistically dependent if not they are independent but See, this is where we're going. We're going into covariance because we can measure how much they are dependent on each other. We can put together we can put together statistics to say like this is how much they are dependent on each other. Is it like ten percent? What's R squared? But wow, wow, I'm gonna say, getting ahead of myself. Wow, <laughs> that's a lot. A lot to take in already. Go ahead. <laughs> So we deploy numerical measures of the direction and the strength of covariation of two variables, right? So this is exactly what you were saying. It's like, okay, well, if those two variables are dependent in some way, casual in, uh, influence, JBJ and actually scoring runs and when he gets up to the plate versus a dependent on other variable, plate appearances both being um, having a function for runs and RBIs, um, this all comes down to covariation. Of the two variables. So most commonly used measures of the relationship between interval ratio variables is Pearson's product moment correlation coefficient. What's so funny, and I think about this a little, uh, I think about this a little bit. Um, statistics is you learn all these classical statistics, and then at a certain point, you're told that's junk. <laughs> and And we need to reteach you. It's the same thing for like, physics you learn everything that newton said and you learn all the equations you do them for a while and all of a sudden you're told well they're not perfectly correct so here, here let's 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 go a little bit so we further. went to westworld and we learned that there's another level to the game exactly well i was gonna i was gonna actually take it down to sheepdogs oh. so when you're teaching a sheepdog when you're teaching a sheepdog you have to train it using visual cues mm-hmm. and then it assert because that's just a way to get the attention of the sheepdog and then at a certain point you have to teach it to never use the visual cues and only use auditory cues you have to learn something so you can break it down but 
really in classical statistics and in stats 101, mm-hmm. linear modeling, Pearson's product moment, correlation coefficient is helpful. Um, I'm going to back up. We'll, we'll describe that a little bit more as we talk about some of the um, uh, going to correlation coefficient. Um, yeah. So I had said earlier, uh, y is a function of x, right? That goes back to, I, I mean, I, I assume for most people, some at some point in high school math, you were talking about y is a function of x, right? To, to try to think through this, the, the best way to do, to look at this in a data set, is there some sort of relationship between x and y? Scatter plot. Put, plot it. Plot that data and take a look. Is there, do you actually see a cloud of points that follow some sort of linear trend? Is it just a cloud of data? Ergo, randomly distributed? I, <laughs> or is it not? So innings pitched as a function, uh, k's as a function of innings pitched. You will see a cloud, yep. and there will be there will be some covariation there. That's a challenging one because there's also going to be there's also going to be sort of obvious clusters by eye in that. Yeah, exactly. But that's why we put it on it put it on the graph. Okay. One of the drawbacks here is units, right? If we if we're looking at this innings pitched, K's, those are those are units. So one way to get around this, um, divide the stand, the uh, units by the standard deviation makes it dimensionless that makes a correlation coefficient r if positive there's a positive relationship when r is negative there's an inverse relationship um closer to absolute one the stronger the relationship one being one negative or one positive a perfect correlation it's one of those things like yeah. hey, we have to actually say yep. it oh just forgot that this is like duh r you want r to be one yep. in every linear model but this only describes a linear relationship. <laughs> Told you we'd get back to linear but, modeling. But do we do we need anything other than linear relationships? I mean, my argument here is that linear modeling or regression is the the king of inferential statistics. And the majority of the time, what you're actually interested in is linear modeling. I think I think that you're right. The majority of times, but there are cases where there is not a linear relationship, and then you need to figure it out. But one, it, is there a situation where you shouldn't try a linear model first? I mean, I think that the go-to example that you always hear is like if you see the data goes in a circle in some sort of way, then you know that you can't fit a line sure. through it to to follow it. And I'm thinking about there's there's um, going back to my my previous life as in um, in transportation. Speed, what is, uh, speed as a function of volume, or volume, no, volume as a function of speed on a road. Mm. Volume uh-huh. increase, there's a linear relationship as volume, as as speed increases, volume increases on a highway. And it hits a point. Mm-hmm. And then it curves down and curves back underneath <laughs> the original line because you've hit this point in volume, a theoretical limit. Mm-hmm. And then it actually turns back on itself. So it's not a linear, re- it starts as a linear relationship to a break point, and then it curves back on, and you can't describe that with a line. If you try to describe that as a line, you would miss the peak. But you should, I think... And then you'd miss the... I think you should still try the line, and you do the R squared, Pearson's product moment correlation coefficient, and give you a sense of that, right? So... Absolutely. We're measuring the direction and strength of a linear relationship between two quantitative variables. Thanks for that definition. And yeah. so, you know, you're absolutely right here. The correlation coefficient provides an indication of how closely these observations in a scatter plot, let's go runs and RBIs, resemble a straight line. And this is 
we're going to draw the line to summarize the relationship, but R squared gives us the number of the, the quality in this. And I think, you know, we're, we're big into quality of prediction kind of guys here, right? So we should. <laughs> well, yeah. Yes. No, we're we're interested in this. I mean, this is the whole this is the whole reason that we provide uncertainties when we we try to really hard to provide uncertainties when we're try to yeah try to. It's but it's the point is that it's like there is uncertain. We just know that there's uncertainty. So many people are just be like, I don't want to, I don't want to like say in advance that there's uncertainty. I just want to say give excuses on the other. Right, end. but R squared is giving R squared is related to uncertainty in in some way here. Um, all right, so you write down this just statistical relationship between a dependent y typically in our classic uh, variable and the series of independent or explanatory sort of the x variables here in our traditional x versus y scatter plot here. Uh, we've done ordinarily squares fitting before pretty frequently. Uh, we've also used yeah. goodness of fit models in the past to to measure and that'll be something like you're trying to minimize some cost function typical one is going to be chi squared is just one of the which is also related to pearson's moment uh, product moment correlation coefficient and i don't think we need to get into the math but you can you can just trust us on that one i think no i totally had forgotten of course like the majority of examples that we're using are ordinarily squares yeah yep which i do you want to try to get into trying to describe that because i started i Started reading and then like trying to summarize and it's like I'm not. I, I don't think I'm not I don't think be so to... because I, I don't think that people I don't think people for the most part need to be writing their own ordinarily squares fitting procedure. It might be good to see how to read about how it works once, but you're not you're not gonna Yeah, there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of Greek letters. Yeah. Generally the idea is that you're trying to minimize the distance between your foot model. Mm-hmm. Your modeled line mm -hmm. and the observations yep. that you have exactly, and then and then there's a whole lot. Then there's every time there's a sigma in an in an equation, I'm like yeah, done. <laughs> sigma sigma is where you draw the line. I understand. Uh, yeah. No, then there's a line under the sigma. Yeah, you got to <laughs> divide it by. <laughs> so I think we've kind of danced around this a little bit, but I I do think it's interesting uh, to head towards the how do we get into it. But before we get there, you put some caveats. Totally agree with these. Uh, stochasticity in these. Why won't the model pass through every point? We get hit with random variables. There's observational uncertainty in any of these things. Um, small number of statistics fluctuate all these. I mean, we were just talking about like, oh, we're finally at the point where uh, run differential has completely, yeah, absolutely. Has completely averaged out. We're look, we were looking for this linear relationship the whole time, <laughs> right? And then another thought here, estimation of a linear function, uh, a typical formula, right? Y equals A plus BX. I think AX plus B, but that's all right. Uh, in this, in the, the A plus BX, A is going to be the intercept. So the, where the X value crosses the Y axis and B is going to be the slope of the line here. For something like, for some, for most fantasy baseball applications, you're going to hope that A is zero <laughs> because, yeah. because logically, you know, zero plate appearances, uh, better equal zero runs or your fit is, you already know that your fit's bad. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, it's, it's so you know, true. You can, you're like, when you're looking at that and you're like, why is there already one stolen base? You should always consider, <laughs> you should always, always, always consider physical limitations <laughs> in these, in right. these values. Right. Okay. Yeah, that really it really sucks. Like, why do I, I just have to assume that they have one stolen base at, at zero plate appearances? They've all all gone on base and stolen a base, and then 
and then the other thing that I came came about here in trying to say this, because because Mike has already actually he's already jumped ahead and said exact, and I have said this as well. We've done exactly what. How do we do it? Well, you draw a line through mm-hmm. some points to try to minimize the distance of each observations to the modeled value. Right? That there you go. That's how you do it. But before you do that, you do need to choose the criterion for assessing <laughs> the success of our line mm-hmm. drawing. So that's choosing how are we going to determine whether or not we did a good job. Mm-hmm. And we can just say, I did a fucking good job. <laughs> but that's not really going to do it. There are a couple of different uh, tests that we put in here. Uh, chi-square test, um, Pearson's product moment correlation coefficient R, dimensionless measure of the linear association between two variables. We've already discussed a little. The coefficient of determination, mm-hmm. R squared. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite. The proportion of the total variation in Y that is explained by the regression relationship. High means good, low means bad. <laughs> R squared of 0.25 implies that variable X explains 25, typo, 25% of the variation in Y. I mean, it, it's very helpful. And you're trying to get to 100%. Yep. Of, and then the standard error of the estimates, measure of the numerical value of error we are likely to make when utilizing X to estimate Y, mm-hmm. also called root mean square error or RMSE. I feel like you've you've gone through a couple of phases where oh, RMSE I'm is a, I'm a big RMS guy. That's my, I'm root mean square. Root mean square everything. And that's how we... That's how we assess the validity of our uh, of our preseason predictions. RMSE, yep. yeah, it it makes a lot of sense because you contextualize everything within the error. It's not like how good are you at, yep. at explaining. Yep. R squared says how good am I at explaining? It's assuming that these are related and that you're doing some sort of job. So, but RMSE is better in terms of saying like we get it. There's some error here. <laughs> let's let's actually present it. But these are all the algorithms mm-hmm. for testing mm-hmm. whether or not they're, they're far more advanced than the actual line fitting is. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Yeah, but they give, they give you something. They give you something actionable in terms of the measurement. I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, give, it helps you to describe. Yeah, what would be the? I don't even know how how, you, how you'd say how much how important it is to actually run through these. Well, algorithms. you. I mean, you want to know. You know, you're you're. Basically, with all of these, you're giving yourself a sense of how much you should trust your model for mm-hmm. these, and that's that's kind of the key. I mean, your the the R squared here is saying like, well, I can tell you, you know, okay, this R has got an R squared value of 0.25. I can tell you 25% where 25% of the variation came from, but you know, there's 100% variation. So where's the other 75 <laughs> is gonna, you know, like. Like there's seventy. You're just gonna have to trust yeah. me for the other seventy five percent. But that yeah. but that gives somebody a, a sense of certainty of okay, well, how you know how trustworthy is this is this estimate? Um, and that that's the that to me is the big value in all of these algorithms. R squared is usually a prelude to multivariate. This analysis. guy, this guy. How much time do we have? Yeah, <laughs> we jump it in. No, well, there we go. I mean, I think that we did. I think that was a good little start here a little banter a little i mean we talked we talked continually about the example of runs as a function of plate appearance put that cloud put it put a cloud together put a line through it and you'll see yep exercise to the reader what's next up next up we're gonna we're gonna talk about modeling again but this time gaussian modeling instead of linear modeling nice. i think that about brings us to the review session jose barrios you know last week you said that i was going to be really bummed that he's not on the twins but i'm looking at his stat line here Sure, he's got nine wins, five losses. Uh, he started 24 games this year. It's pretty good. 
But come on, 117 strikeouts in 128 innings pitched, and he's got a 1.37 whip and a 5.39 ERA. You're telling me the Twins need that on their team? Well, depends on the day. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm looking at his MLB percentile rankings. There's a lot of blue. He's good at getting guys to chase, and he's good at not walking guys, I guess. Um, I don't know. Is he... I mean... The question was the Twins were going to have to pay him like an ace, right? Mm-hmm. And he's not. And he's not an ace. I think, you know, we at least know enough to know he's not an ace. So I think, yeah, sure, would the Twins be better if they had him? Uh, probably. But, you know, you'd already kind of you'd kind of poisoned the well by treating him like an ace when they brought him in <laughs> for so long. Well, because he did amazing in the minors. Right. But the, the problem, the, my perception of the problem with Jose Barrios' career has been that he was anointed as the ace in 2017 <laughs> like this guy is gonna be our ace and then he rewarded them actually i mean if you look if you look at his, his 2018 is is pretty incredible 202 strikeouts and 192 innings pitched i mean that's real workhorse stuff it was good it was a, the right directionality and exactly what you need i mean 3.84 era sure you'd love that to be a little bit lower 1.14 whip but those are you know innings eater that's big innings eater energy here and he follows it up the next year. Follows it up the next year with 195 strikeouts, 200 innings. That's good. Pandemic hits. He's still got the rate. Uh, this is just kind of a funky one. I guess. I guess this year is actually turning into an outlier because even last year he's got 204 strikeouts and 192 innings pitched. Yeah. So I'll I will say one 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 story here. I was there for his first big league start. Mm-hmm. I was freezing. <laughs> Boy is from what. San Juan, yep. he's from Puerto yes, Rico. Yes. He really, you could tell he couldn't even like hold on to his pitches. <laughs> I remember you telling me at the time. I, I, I invested into him heavily, and um, I believed all the hype because he was. It was actually it was pre twenty sixteen. He was getting a lot of hype for mowing through minors, looking having all the stuff. Guy just didn't have the confidence most of that year. Whenever you saw him, just didn't really have the confidence and. I think that's plagued his career. He's he just you can see it mm. in his eyes when he just doesn't have the confidence. And I don't think that you can be an ace if you're not if you're not like at least Chris Sale is strutting around the mound like when he doesn't have it like he's an ace and is confident in what he can do and what he what he's able to do. He makes some errors, yes, but he's out there. He's determined. I mean, even when you talk about you know some pitchers who are a little bit lesser. They have the confidence, and that's the thing. He just doesn't, and it falls apart for him in certain games, for certain stretches. Oh, maybe that's. I mean, I get, my question is, what did the Twins see that they that they traded him? And that right. Well, I think you were totally right. They saw this guy wants to have a top twenty ace pay. Yeah, he's not a top twenty pitcher. Yeah. And he doesn't have the potential to be that he has some of the potential to be, but we see that he does not. He is not going to be that. Yeah. I, so w- why not get replacement parts that are going to do better than he is going to? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm struggling to put together what a, a reasonable over under is for him because it's not or like any sort of bet boxing because it's not fair to evaluate this year because you know looking at looking at this year it's clear that it's a little bit anomalous but maybe he should be worried because what happens in you know he's back in toronto they're actually in toronto this year they're not playing at a triple a stadium uh yeah yeah okay is it is he 
I guess, the, I mean, the question that I want to ask, but it's not a bet box question, is like, is his 2023 more similar to his 2021 or his 2022? Yes, because let me give you, I'm looking at fan graphs here, and I will say, um, what do you, remember from our discussion last week, BABIP, what, what do you expect the uh, uh, the BABIP to be? It's like 250, right? Yeah. We said two. He's at 315 well, right now. Well, that I mean, that'll, that'll explain a huge chunk of the problem, obviously. Hmm. His career, um, and then okay. So I have two other. I have two other numbers for hmm. you. Then this is hmm. both around his home runs, home run to fly ball rate. His career average. This is including this year. Is twelve point eight. What do you think it is this year? It's home runs to fly balls. You said right. Uh, home runs to fly balls. Sixteen. Sixteen point three. That is. Uh, so that's the other. The other anomaly here is home runs per nine. Yeah. He's got a career career 1.23, and really he was coming off of 1.17, 1.17, 1.14, 1.03. year, 1.82. So he's getting a lot of home runs yeah. off of him. A lot of hits are getting through uh, Bubba Chet. What do we do with him in 2023? I mean, that's like, what, what do we do with him? I mean, where, where does he fit in? Um, okay, would you rather have... You Darvish next year or Jose Barrios? You Darvish. Really? Like easy? Hands down? Yeah. I'll take the 18 games of you Darvish. Yeah. That Okay. I, th- I actually, I thought that would be, I thought that, I'm a little worried now because I thought that might give you a little bit more hesitation. <laughs> no. That doesn't. Um, no. It's, then uh, I've been burned. I've been burned by him. And it's, I, uh, even when he was at his best, it's not as good as you want okay, it to Jose be. Okay. Jose Urquidy. That's kind of the comp level that I'm picturing him at. I picked him up off the waiver wire. What, I mean, Urquidy? Like yeah, but, yeah, but he's a, a pitcher. <laughs> he's, a, he's a pitcher, yeah. I don't know. It's a good question. But, I mean, I'm just trying to get... I'm just trying to get... I kind of have to listen to the scouting reports in in March about, like, how things are I'm going. I'm trying to get a value sense. I mean, they're, I think they're the same age is partly why I threw that. No, Urquidy's younger. Sure. Um... So, then we go back to... Remember, we, we had this conversation, Max Fried, you were like... So good, and then you're like, "Wait, oh, he's getting drafted as the 15th starting pitcher." Yeah, but the that's board. the thing. Barrios no. is going to get drafted super early. I'm my he was number nine. My point is that there's no way that I'm going to pay that much for him. Is the thing he no longer has? He no longer has the shine of new kid on the block, the Dustin May purchase <laughs> that I don't, you know, that I that I don't fully buy into. Like, okay, whatever. Um, but some yeah. So you, I have to go down. Watch this. You see the guys around him, yeah. and you're like, clearly, I'm gonna grab Charlie Morton. Yeah, maybe not, but probably grab him. Yeah, Frankie Montas, another question yeah. mark, but probably grab him. Yeah. Preseason Verlander was pitched, was taken three pitchers later, That's two pitchers horrible. later. That's horrible. Rodon has had wow. a great season. Darvish, Cease, Trevor Rogers, hurt right now, but whatever. Alex Manoa. Wow. McClanahan. See, these are Kershaw. The, the thing is that. You, I guess you picked Barrios thinking that he was going to be the one of that group that hit, like of the McClanahan or like the Verlander value. Um, but this year, he's going to be in the... Eduardo Rodriguez was 35. Nathan Ivaldi, Framber Valdez, Tyler Molly. Yeah, but, but people are going to... Lance people Lynn, are obviously, who we knew was going to miss time. But people are obviously going to pay so much more for him than they're going to pay for Nate Ivaldi. So forty, I think he's he's starting pitcher number forty. Let's okay. Here, here's actually what I want to do, which is because I know who we're reviewing next week. I want to wait and do a a head to head style bet box. Why don't you just do it right now? 
because we haven't talked about it. We haven't talked about a guy net yet for next week. Let's just do it. Let's do it. We'll do we'll do a second head to head if if we change. No, I mean I I want a legitimate Frankie Montas who is who we're talking about next week versus Jose Barrios next year because they're to me they're both massive question marks and they're both guys that are going to get drafted way earlier than I want to draft them. Mm-hmm. But between these two, I would take Montas in categories. I think for twenty 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 three. I think Barrios is going to win. I think Barrios is going to is got will have innings pitched, which means that it would be in tiny. Are we adding innings? So innings pitched wins K's here yeah. whip. I would take Jose Barrios. I know you would. <laughs> That's why I'd... I w- I would take Jose Barrios against Frankie Montas in that. In that I, I know you would. But... I think that I would take Montas in a draft first because the wins. You know, the, I the wins above replacement theory yeah. is that he's going to Frankie Montas plus whoever you have to grab for the 60 day suspension or the, or the injury is going to be better than Jose Brios. But head to head, if I'm only okay. going to potentially lose ERA and whip, then okay. Well, I, I love Brios in, I love Brios as a late round sleeper, but you'll never get him as a late round sleeper. You know, like I love him as like, like, Ooh, I picked him up as my third pitcher. Oh, if he doesn't, if he doesn't hit, it's not a big deal. Like you know, I might be in a tiny hole, but on the off chance that he that he goes supernova next year, I want to be on that or something. But yeah, no, he's he's right in this range of Tyler Molly, yeah, Lance Lynn, Lance Lynn, who we know is hurt and going to miss some time. Sonny Gray, yeah, put him right there. Yeah, probably John Means. Like yeah, I'll, I'll put him right in there. Like I, I'll take him as my horse in that race. But yeah, I, I'm not going to take him. You can't be taking him even even above like the other people that were in. He's not top twenty. My point is that like Sorry. my point is that I think people might pick him before they pick Verlander next year. I would guess. Yeah. I would guess if you oh. if you look at the no. if you look at the TGFBI draft, there will be some where that happens because people because the the storylines aren't going to be Verlander's falling apart. Nobody like he's you know he's going to wash up one of these years. Barrios is still ascendant, and somebody's going to pick him. This is going to happen. All right. So we already already did it like you know did a sneak preview of who we're going to talk about next week but who are we talking about we're going to talk about frankie montas all right time for a little housekeeping be sure to subscribe to us on itunes and follow us on twitter fantasy tools mind the z thank you mild manor for letting us use your tunes be sure to follow them on soundcloud and facebook feel free to email us with questions or comments send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com again mind the z all i've got left is worst of luck to you buddy worst of luck to you too yeah!